well, we looked at the sound body and the sound line, and up next, the relevance of moderation, his secret, by Professor Kanadisabhapati, Head Division of Cellular and Molecular Research, National Cancer Center, and Vice President, Sethisai Center for Educare. Let's put our hands together for Professor Kanadisabhapati. Papas fried oil, which is high calorie content. It is very specific. 
each puppet has 100 to 150 calories, right? When you Google it, and you can see uh, 100 grams of puppet is 371 calories, right? So Swami is always correct, you know, very, very precise. Uh, we never knew this is our monkey mind that we have to test, but Swami is always correct. Okay, so I said, okay, so since then what I decided to do was cut down puppets. I can, uh, I have proved my wife is there, you can ask her, you know, you cut down a lot of puppets, no chocolates, a lot of coffee and tea has come down, right? I feel good because, you know, I'm trying to do what Swami has said slowly, but I'll surely hopefully get So coming back to the topic, right, on moderation, so this is a huge topic, where do I start? You, know, you, you have to moderate almost on everything in life except principles. Swami says no moderation of principles. Moderation of principles is vice. Other than that, everything that we do, we are in contact with the environment, we have to moderate. So, in 30 minutes, I cannot talk about everything. So, I will choose only one topic primarily, which is the food that we take in, because that has a major impact on our health. Right? I'll, I'll, I'll show you a lot of Swami's uh, quotations and try to show you scientific and clinical evidence that this is all correct. And we don't need to prove that, but you know, it's just good to know. Right? And the Lincoln started by saying that you know, science starts with an experience and goes upwards. Right? And our faith is not the first thing. But in spirituality, faith is the first thing. And for all of us, what Swami has said is a Vedabhak, right? It's That's absolute. So what I decided to do was try to think about faith. So whatever has Swami has said, I'll put it down there. All the quotations are there. So his secret is his, his message and his life. And I, I will show you some analysis because, you know, we have a little bit of a rational mind, especially a monkey mind. We want to check everything, right? Whatever is, is there, you want to Google it and check if it's really correct, you know, for the public penalty and anything you do. Uh, so I'll show you a lot of examples to show that what Swami says is absolutely on the spot. Scientifically, you can actually prove it. And then you have experienced it for yourself. So I've started experiencing it very slowly. I think with this analysis which I present to you, hopefully you'll also be able to experience it. Yeah? I will start from the cancer angle because that's what I know a lot about. So I, from there I take it further. So when you look at cancer patients, you can actually group them into two groups. The first group is the people who get cancers. These are 90% of the cancer patients who get sporadic cancers. What that means is that their family members do not have cancers, but they contract cancer because either they're smoking or they're in contact with some viruses and so on and so forth. Right? So 90% of the cases alcohol and so on and so forth. And there's a 10% of the people who get familial cancers. Initially this was thought to be 1-2%, but now with the genomic, the genomic efforts that we have, it looks like 10% of the population we see have familial cancers. That means they have a gene, a defective gene that they're carrying in the body that they pass it to the children and so on and so forth. Familial cancers, right? Uh, one of the things that we notice is that uh, not all patients with the genes, mutated genes, as uh, Uncle Dr. Pardal said, would actually succumb to cancer. I'll just show you an example here. So this is a pedigree. So this is scientific, right? A little bit of biology, but I'll take you very slowly please. So this is a pedigree. So this is generation one, the grandparents. The box is a male, grandfather, and this is a grandmother, right? The uh, circle is a grandmother, a female. This is the second generation, the, so the parents, and this is the, the, the grandchildren, that's it, right? So this family has a mutation in a gene called BRCA1, okay? So it's just a gene, okay? It's a tumor suppressor gene, this is mutated. And when this gene is mutated, the females get breast cancer or ovarian cancer, right? You can see the grandmother has this gene mutated, and she passed away at the age of 49 of ovarian cancer. And this couple had four children, one, two, 
three and four. So three girls and one boy, and this boy had another lady. So of the three girls, one, two, and three, you can see two of them got cancers, right? Breast cancer and ovarian cancer, but this one did not get any cancer, although she's a carrier. Then when this lady who has cancer married an uh, individual, they have a daughter. This daughter also has the gene that is mutated, but it's not carrying cancers, right? So what that means is although they have the mutated gene, the germline, that means they are passing it through, most of them will get the cancers. It's not 100% the case. There's something beyond the genes, right? That's, that's what I want to make the point. And Uncle Father actually said exactly that, right? What is that? I'll give you a second example of the same thing. So, so this gene was made famous by Angelina Jolie. So Angelina Jolie had this mutation, and so she underwent a vasectomy so, so that she will never ever get uh, breast cancer. She also took out her ovaries, right? Uh, that's one way to prevent. So the second example I want to show you is a pair of twins. So these are two girls, 23 years of age from Canada. Okay, one has cancer and one does not. So twins means they're exactly identical at the genetic level, right? From the same parents, the same egg split into two. But how come one got and one didn't? So we don't know this. Because they're staying in the same house, eating the same food, but maybe something beyond the food, maybe something in the mind that is, they have something different that we cannot see, right? But something tells us that there's something beyond the genes that's affecting our predisposition. So <clears throat> these are the cases of Cancer predisposition, where I show you that we can do something beyond the genes, I will tell you what that is. And this is a case of people going through chemotherapy. So this I see a lot, right? So people get referred to me, uh, referred through me, so I see a lot of these patients. So when you go through chemotherapy, there's a lot of side effects. Of course, you all know they lose hair, you know, they have a lot of problem in the gut, they cannot eat, they vomit a lot, you know, they don't feel sensation in, in the toes and the periphery, in the fingers and so on and so forth. So this is the cause of chemotherapy, that's how life is, right? But then they come out of it. But when you look at people who go through chemotherapy, you see two groups of people. The first group is that almost will not do very well. If, if, if you take the, the same group of people with the same type of cancer, the same type of mutation, and they go through the same type of treatment, the outcome can be different, right? One will do very well and succeed and live long, overcome the disease, then the other one will not and succumb. So if you look at the characteristics of the group that does very well, right? That means they come out and they become, right? So you see three points, at least that's what I noticed across. This is almost always the same, right? The first thing is that they eat very well. So they eat well and healthy and then cut out sugars. As opposed to the other group who will say, oh, I cannot eat because I'm vomiting, so I want to give up. So you put a lot of pressure uh, in making them eat, but they still give up. That's one. So they take care of their health. What goes in is very, very controlled. The second thing is that they have an extremely positive attitude. That's very, very important. Extremely positive attitude. They always think about after, you know, of course when it strikes, the disease strikes, it's always a question of why me? But after that, as you know, Sister Vasanthan said, you know, the will to fight off is the most important thing. So they plan life after the chemotherapy cycles. Okay, I want to do this is my life, I want to plan for it. Right? Very, very positive attitude. And the third thing is that they surround themselves with a lot of positive energy. Right? A lot of happy people, good people, they keep themselves happy. Right? So that basically means that beyond our genes, something that we eat and we feel in the environment is actually protecting us and giving us a better health. Right? What is it? Can we have a handle on it? Right? I'm going to show you an example here. Yeah? Sure, sorry. Before that, sorry. so this is this is what we see in the patients. 
So this actually can be replicated in mice studies also. So if you take a bunch of mice, uh, this is just a paper that just published uh, this year. So what they did was they took a bunch of mice that had cancer, and then to one group of mice, they actually made the mice very happy. So after talking about the reward system, brain reward system, so they gave a lot of happy things so that the mice are very happy. And the same uh, similar group of mice that had the same cancer, uh, the second group was just left alone. What they saw was that we showed that the anti-tumor immune response can be modulated by the brain's reward system, a key secretory emotional process. So these findings introduced a psychological mechanism whereby, whereby the patient's psychological state, sorry, physiological mechanism whereby the patient's psychological state can impact the anti-tumor immunity. Basically what it means is that if the patient is happy, the, the better the response is. Right? So this is just beyond that. So there's something in the brain or in the emotions that's going on or the food that is taking. What is it? So people did a study. So this is a fantastic group to study because the genetic material is extremely identical. So what one group did was they took 15 pairs of twins. In these 15 pairs, one twin had cancer, the other did not. Right? So this is a fantastic group. So they collected blood from them, they looked at the genes, and what they identified was there was something called an epigenetic change that was found in the group that did not get the cancer. Right? So what is the epigenetic change? So epigenetic changes basically influence the disease susceptibility. That's what they concluded. So what is epigenetic change? <coughs> this is what Uncle alluded to. So a little bit of biology 101. <coughs> so this is uh, this is a mother and a father. So we get all our DNA from half from the father and half from the mother, right? So if, if you look at the mother, the mother would have got from her mother and her father. So that's the white and the black, and the father is also being a white and a black. This is very simplistic. When they get married, so there are two possibilities. These two sides can come together, or the black and white can come together, and the white and white, right? So if you look at the genetic material, if one of them, say for example, the mother had a mutation, then the mother could pass it down, say in the black color, can pass it down here or here. So this is what I showed you from the brown hair. So this is genetics, you cannot change this. That's how life is. It's almost like fate. What, what also happens is there's something called epigenetic change, which I alluded to earlier in the last slide. So what is epigenetic change? That is not something that is fixed like a mutation. Mutation is fixed, it's irreversible, it's not reversible at all, that's, that's how it is. But epigenetic change is something that is added onto the DNA and that is reversible. You can put it on there, you can take it out. That's called epigenetic stigma. You can go away, you can come back. Right? So that is the most interesting thing about it. And epigenetic change is influenced by many other emotions, I will show you. You will ask the question, so the father and mother will transmit the genetic change, that's okay. The father and mother will also have epigenetic changes, right? Because they are eating something and they are experiencing something. But most of the epigenetic changes in the parents are erased in the embryo. So the embryo develops fresh and the child will have its own epigenetic marks. Okay? So this is the epigenetic change. So environments, environmental factors affect epigenetic changes. So this is a, a review I've taken from this people, just published not too long ago. So these are all the environmental changes that affect our epigenetic change. If you look here, we have diet, a psychological state, social interaction, right? Uh, so this is the microbiome under the root of two, what is in our gut, exercise, 
you know, function should status because it uses pride and all that stuff. You know, diurnal seasonal correlations, how much we sleep. So everything that is in the environment affects the temperature and it changes. So that's why you know, if you look at you know the breast, uh, the fight against breast cancer, the pink ribbon campaign, they say you have physical, have physical activity and a healthy weight. I mean, of course, not smoking, alcohol is all understood. But these are the ones which will affect the epigenetic change and will make the person better. So there's something <coughs> that we can actually do to have or maintain a good health. Right? So this is what Swami says. What one needs in life is destiny. How one needs it is self-effort. Essentially, we have the power to do something that will affect us in the future. So this is a, uh, the conversation between Swami and Kislov uh, uh, on cancer. So Swami says, Cancer, it develops often from a small fistule that is inflammation, some gas, and from this cancer develops. Then Mr. Pass, Swami can cure even cancer cases? Swami says, yes, of course. So he refers to a person, she says, you know this person, she was in advanced stage of cancer, doctors gave up, gave her only a few days to live. Now she's strong and healthy, right? Swami, then Mr. Bhatt, Swami, does that happen only when the karma is appropriate? Swami says, no. If anyone, if a person is living Swami's teachings, Swami's place is automatic. No karma can prevent that. So what is Swami's teachings? That's what, that's his, his secret. How to live our life. And that's what I'm going to talk about, right? So, I talked a lot about the environment. So what Swami has said about the environment. How are we connected to the environment? We are connected to the environment through two means. One, and through the senses. Because there are five senses, the eyes, what we see, uh, the ears, what we hear, the tongue, what we eat, what we speak, the nose, what we smell, of course, the, the, the body, what we feel, and of course, we have the mind, which is associated with the thoughts and the emotions, right? So, Swami actually says, sense control, it is only by sense control and steadfastness that one can lead a happy and healthy life. And Swami also says, prevention of disease should be the goal. Right? Sense control is extremely important. Right? Swami also says this. Yeah. So I, I, Swami has said everything perfectly. That's why I like so much right? but all the, all the uh, quotations there. It is essential to observe the principle of moderation in food habits. That's the topic I've chosen today. Work and sleep. Swami says, be always moderate. Never indulge in excess. In fact, moderation is a royal road to happiness. <laughs> this is Swami's quotations. So when we talk about moderation, it's not only about too much, it's also not too little, it's just about right. Okay, that's the most important thing, right? It's not too little or not too much. And as I said, we talk about senses and emotions. For the senses, again, we have five senses. Uh, for the due to the time limitations, I only talk about the tongue, and with respect to tongue, only about the food, not about the speech. So I may say a lot of the speech, but that's probably why I'm ready. And emotions, I just touch on very briefly. When you look at the uh, five senses, as I showed you five, so when I was looking at this picture, I was you know, looking and looking and looking, and then I felt like Archimedes, right? <laughs> I had a revelation. Right? <laughs> one, you know, what's a revelation? When I looked at it, I said, wow, cool, man. The eyes and the mouth are the only, the tongue are the only ones which can be covered and closed. The rest you cannot, cannot cover, right? <laughs> so that's a little, I thought it was a fantastic revelation, right? But I did not run out of the <laughs> But I told my wife, you know, as everybody says, you know, the wife brings you down <laughs> to, the, to the ground and let's say this right? Yeah. Uh, so this was very, very interesting. So, you know, so that means these are two of the senses that we need to control. The eyes, 
Asha at least eight hours will be sleep. At least after that is over. The mouth should be shut at least eight plus many more because during the time you sleep, we should be shut. But sometimes we are snoring also. But should be should be shut for eight. But most of the other time, unless unless it's like me and a dog, you should also be shut. Right? You shouldn't be eating twenty four seven. Right? Or should be speaking. Right? So I, I feel very good about it, yeah. But you know the thing is that Swami has been there all the time, is here all the time, and he has said it in something, right? So he said, among the five senses, two are the most important. They are the eyes and the tongue. Because of their exceptional importance, the Lord has provided them with a means of restraining their activities. So Swami says, you silly oats, you silly men. Take note, I have provided natural means for closing the eyes and the mouth. So that's exactly what I did. <laughs> so let's look at the mouth, okay? So the mouth is the gateway to health and happiness. As I said, I'll only talk about food, not speech. It's only a gateway to health uh, and happiness if it's actually shut, right? Otherwise, it's not. So Swami said, so we talk about food now. So as the food, so is the mind, right? Food is an important factor which determines the alertness and sloth, the worry and the calm, and the brightness and the dullness. So the type of food you consume decides the degree of concentration you command. So Swami talks about the quality and the quantity. So we look at the food, but the quality and the quantity. So we start with the quantity. Uh, so the, Swami says, the intake of too much food is harmful. Swami says, when man observes moderation in diet, he can be saved from most diseases. So you need to control how much you take. Man should exercise his discretion and discrimination in this regards to food. So, so this is an example of Swami. <coughs> I think I'll run a little bit over time, but I'll show you. So this is exactly what the Swami said around 69, yeah, his 69th birthday. Let me tell you, how to live healthy life. Let me tell you about my own. My weight since my 14th year, so he was around 70 then, right, has been 108 pounds. It never went up 109, it never came down 107. You can lead a healthy life once you achieve this kind of balance and moderation. I never eat even a little bit excess. I observe the principle of moderation, whether I'm invited for food by a millionaire or a pauper. Right? <laughs> so we just want to show you Swami eating. I think you will enjoy this. This is a video one. <laughs>
Okay, that's it. Very, very little, right? He needs to be a supplement. So he needs very, very little. That's the point. So, so Swami, Swami has also given us specific instructions how much we usually take. So he said, the light manner in which we sit down to take food, we should also be able to get up in the same light manner. Some of them sound like a fighter. So, how much do you say? Swami is very specific. Divide the stomach into four parts. Put, fill it with two parts with food, one part with water, and one part leave it empty because then only you can churn, otherwise, you can't even churn. Swami says, for healthy men, healthy life, man needs only 1,500 calories per day. Okay, I think you should start counting because you're wearing all these gadgets and you should be able to count. So, this is about eating too much. But you know, also too little is bad. So Swami says, you know, if you restrict it too little, this will also cause harm and will affect health. Swami talks about fasting because you know, you know people do fast. What's the, so fast one day in a week, this is good. But however, Swami also says, fasting may not even be necessary if you are successfully practicing a balance and moderation. Right? So you don't even have to fast as long as you have proper moderation. That's good enough. So overeating this for obesity. So we can see in Singapore, the obesity rates are rising now. One in four Singaporeans are actually obese. And this is rising really high. This is the US figures. In 2030, they expect every other person to be obese, which is very bad. Yeah? Okay, there are many, many, uh, there are, these are the top five causes of death in the world. And of these five, four are related to overeating. Cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, and stroke are quite fast here. And you can see all these diseases that are rising, they are expected to rise, are all related to overeating. Right? So how does overeating leads to uh, disease? I'll give you a little bit of scientific background to this. The first thing is that there's a lot of accumulation of fat. It's not only that when we eat fat, we become fat. When we eat a lot of carbohydrates, this is a, uh, a biochemical cycle, when we eat a lot of glucose and carbohydrates, it gets converted to fat and it gets stored, right? So you shouldn't eat too much. And the other thing that happens when there's too much fat, of course, it clogs your arteries, right? You get heart disease. The other thing that happens when we eat a lot, there's a lot of sugar in the blood. When the sugar in the blood happens, what happens is the pancreas is always producing insulin. So this is from a mouse which is fed with normal diet, and this is a mouse that was fed with diet that is rich in high fat. Right? You can see the pancreas eyelids have enlarged, they're producing a lot of insulin because you need to clear all the glucose. At some point they give up, the cells become uh, not responsive to insulin and therefore you get diabetes. The, the last thing that happens is that we have a lot of sugar, our cells actually grow much faster. So this is an experiment where they're looking at the number of uh, days when the cells are growing and the number of cells that are growing. If you grow the same cells in low glucose, this is how much they grow. When you put on high glucose, it grows so fast. So what happens is that if you have a cell that is mutated, when it's seeing all this glucose, it will start growing fast and that's what leads to cancer. Right? So sugar basically carbohydrate is not good, that's what has been shown. This is qualitative now, this is Singapore data. So our Prime Minister has said two years ago that you know we should cut down sugar. Okay, six in ten Singaporeans actually consume two, two or more fusion diabetes. This was once me, and I hope it's not anymore. Right? And 92% of the food that we eat, the dietary carbohydrates, are carbohydrates are from highly refined uh, uh, sugars, right? White rice, white sugar, bread, and refined noodles. So that's basically no good. And Swami has said a lot about white sugar. Swami says sugar causes cancer due to the bone char. So bone char is something coming from the cow bone usually that's used for bleaching and that's not good. Right? 
So what is a substitute? Maybe jaggery is, uh, is good because today in the coffee in the morning you have jaggery in there. Uh, Swami also talked about cooked food. I think I'll skip this. Swami basically says you know you should not cook the food too much because you know all the vitality goes away. So the food we eat uh, is affected by three P's. The pata, the, uh, the vessel, the padartha, you know, the, 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 the produce that we use, and the kapha, the, the, the process of cooking, right? So the three P's, the pot, the produce, and the process. So that's why, that's why we say namarpan before we eat to cleanse the whole thing, right? So can we just show very quickly uh, the second video? Very quickly. So this is Meat eating, eating fish, they should be abandoned, dropped immediately. But farmers are used to this non vegetarian. This non vegetarian food is responsible for so many ailments like cancer. So, discreetly know this knowledge came in that. In the car. After this. In Mikra, 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 the more and more cheese you consume, you eat, more weak you will be. So, don't run after cheese any longer. Don't take too much of milk. Too much milk every day, too much milk every Too much of milk is also bad. Everything should be under limits. Milk ethanol, You should mix proper combination, it should be 50 50, milk and water. So, Swami is very, very strongly about it. Okay, Swami has said about eating meat causes cancer, right? And this is the WHO statistics 50 grams of bacon processed meat can lead to increase in colorectal cancer by 18%. This is a lot of human data, as you show very fast. So not only colorectal cancer, the more the meat people eat, the more cancers they get. Not only breast cancer, lung cancer, all kind of cancers. So the reason meat eating leads to cancer, I don't have uh, time for the real uh, uh, scientific data, I'll just summarize here. In, in the red meat, there's, you know, the red blood cells, they have a heme, that is, you know, converted to the nitrosyl uh, compound, that's actually very good. This is not good. In the processed meat, there's all this nitrate preservatives, right, to ensure that there's no bacteria that is growing. And that is also not good. When it goes and touches, uh, gets into our stomach acid, it is converted to other nitrate, uh, nitrites, and therefore it is also not good, right, it causes cancer. It's all carcinogens. Uh, Uncle talked about microbiome, it affects the type of bacteria that is in the stomach, which causes imbalance and also leads to irritable bowel disease and colorectal cancer, and of course inflammation as well. So in the summary, meat eating is really bad, there's a lot of scientific literature on that. Yeah. So, but this is I want to touch about a little bit of this milk product, because you know, we take a lot of milk products. Too much milk is bad. It is logistic. Swami also said don't not too much cheese. He says not, not to completely stop, but it's not too much, right? 
Okay? The reason is that daily products contain lactose, which is a type of sugar, that needs to be broken down by enzyme for lactase. Right? We all have lactase, but the problem is our lactase enzymes are only active when we are born and basically get shut down at the age of five. After five, we actually most of us don't have lactase. So if you are drinking all this lactose containing milk, it's not getting broken down. It's not 100% of the population. But if you look at the, uh, uh, so that's called lactose intolerance. If you look at the world, if this is basically Africa, India, and China, so this is basically the Asian population, we are all lactose intolerant. That means we cannot taste too much lactose. It is different for the Caucasians, right? 82% of the Indians are lactose intolerant. Four out of five of us. And then when we take immediately, we go, uh, there's a diet, right? This is that we know. So, so this is, you know, too much milk causes gas, bloating in diet, which is also not good. So that's also that's a sugar that is in there, so that cannot be digested. That's the reason. And the second thing is that there's the protein called casein in the milk. Right? It promotes cellular growth. If you look at it, when the baby is born, a human baby is born at birth is 3.5 kilos. After drinking mother's milk, the mother's milk only contains 40% casein out of the total. It grows to a weight of 10 kilos. Right? But look at a calf. A calf at birth is about 25 to 30 kilos. But within a year, by drinking a cow milk which contains 80% casein, it grows 10 times to 250 kilos. Imagine if you are drinking a lot of milk, it's going to make us grow bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So there's a lot of data that shows is that not good. If you take casein and put on cells, cells will actually grow faster. This is a, okay, this is a study, right? A milk protein casein has a proliferation promoting factor in prostate cancer cells. So it's not that it's entirely bad, you cannot take too much. That's, that's the point I want so to summarize the mouth part, quantity and quality of food has an impact on the mind and health. Swami has said, as the food, so is the mind. We heard a lot about it. As the mind, so the thoughts, as the thought, is our hands. So I just want to finish. So the side, I will talk about it in the afternoon and make up sessions. I just want to talk a little bit about our emotions. I just want to close this with the emotions. Because emotions also affect us. We go through a lot of emotions. So Swami has said, the mind is the key to health and happiness. And so food must be chosen that does not affect the mind adversely. So the interrelation between body and mind. The food that we take affect, produces a lot of hormones because of the rate and changes have an impact on the mind. And the thoughts and emotions also affect uh, uh, hormones that affect the body. Right? So, we, so most diseases, Swami says, have the origin in the mind. So, so mental tension is responsible for ill health. So I'll go through this. Just one more experiment I want to show you that was very, very important. So they did an experiment with 710 people across the world, so it's not based on any uh, particular subtype. So what they did was, they actually showed different signals, right, which would emo uh, invoke different emotions, and asked them to color which part of the bodies were actually experiencing a heightened activity or reduced activity. Right? And they color coded, this a very standard data, so this was published in 2013. So yeah, this is a color scale, if it's black color, it means there's no emotions. When it's red and yellow, it's a lot of activity that's going on. Emotions are doing something to us. The reason is that emotions 
actually that there are many hormones. I'll just go very quickly to this. These are the dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins under talked about. So these are the and uh, this is called dose, too easy to remember. So these are important for happiness. And there's the bad hormone which is cortisol, which is a stress hormone. I will uh, what do they do? I will not go into too much because I think there's a lack of time right now. Uh, it's important to have positive uh, emotions so that you can have a lot of dose and you have to reduce cortisol, which is a flight and flight. Stop this. What will, what will happen is the emotions actually lead to a lot of hormone being produced and therefore lead to a lot of epigenetic changes. So I'm summarizing here right now. I spoke a lot about the tongue, especially with the food, because I wanted to convey the idea of what Swami had on what Swami has said and to back it up with a lot of scientific data to show analysis so we can go back and try it out ourselves as an experience. Right? So for every two things I essential Swami says Arogya, health and Ananda. So that body is very, very important. I don't speak about the body, I didn't talk about the mind and spiritual aspect of it. But Swami says, you know, you need to have a proper, good body to achieve all that. Right? If you want to do seva, you need to have a strong body. If you have a very big body, you can't work on the other uh, higher humans in life. So that's why I focus on the body. So Swami says, it's not too late to start. It doesn't matter. We take very small steps. Right? Nobody can become a saint or sage overnight. You must start early drive slowly and reach the goal safe. So I want to make it a little easier for the, for, for the people here. So I thought maybe we'll do A, B, C, D, E. This is my last slide. I'm about acknowledgements. So the basics of healthy living. So I say avoid sugar. I think if everybody can go back home and try to reduce sugar, I think that will be a great thing, right? Continue on life. That's one simple thing to take away. Be happy. So me, all this is emotion. So I remember the dose I talked about very, very briefly. Control emotions, okay, no cortisol, so they don't get balance, everything is good. Diminish daily, not completely gone. Remember, we are lactose intolerant, most of us. <coughs> so diminish daily, eliminate meat. Swami says, I didn't say that, I don't know, no, no uh, meat food. Yeah. And finally, fear nothing, right? acceptance, Swami says, fear, fear really nothing, because Swami is always there. Okay. I think this is a very simple basis I think we can take home and try. This is just content from Swami's lectures, nothing else from that. I want to stop by thanking people. So of course Swami for guiding me through all this. Whatever I say correct is because of Swami. If I miss something, I say something wrongly, it's just purely because of my uh, I'm still learning. So forgive me. I said IOS and the committee members or the audience for listening patiently. And uh, Brother Raj Kumar will help me with all the animations, the opening of the mouth and the closing of the mouth. And this is all that I'm going to do. I'll stop here and thank you so much. Thank you.